Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Betting Life Show brought to you by Fantasy Life and our friends at DraftKings. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. We are a couple of days away from Conference Championship Sunday, the best single day of the NFL calendar. And joining me to highlight our favorite player props for all four teams playing this weekend are Jeff Ulrich, a.k.a. The Fantasy Grind, and Ian Harditz, a.k.a. I Harditz. Gentlemen, uh, Ian, let's start with you. Uh, I believe you hit your candle bet last week, yeah. uh, and that got me thinking. I think instead of buying candles, I mean, you can continue to buy candles, but I think you should start to make candles and sell candles. And you could uh, sell the candles through the Fantasy Life merch store. Uh, people could buy them. They could use them for meditating on lineup or prop <laughs> decisions that they have. Uh, there's a lot of potential here. I, what do you think of your future as a candle magnate? And can I get on the ground floor of this burgeoning candle empire? Fantasy Life merch store, you know, if we're talking a couple of royalties going back to your boy, then maybe we can do something along those lines. But I have put so much thought into this, Friedman, over the years. You probably have no idea. I figured out using local candle wax resources in the just freaking most bum areas of Ohio you can imagine. I can make a 16-ounce candle for about $4.50 with all the raw materials. So, yes, very much in the future plans. Haven't got to it right now, but moved into my new house in July, and I finally have a garage and actually room to potentially store hundreds of candles. So much more on that maybe in the uh, upcoming months. But, yes, sadly, we did win the candle bet, which means I didn't get to buy a new candle. So maybe you are on to something. Well, you, you still get to, it's just, you're not obligated to. So it's nice not to have the obligation there. Uh, Jeff. All right. Uh, the season (laughs) winding down, you're transitioning more into hockey content and, uh, people of course can check out all of the hockey plays that you have going in the free bet tracker at fantasy life. Is there anything that stands out to you as especially exploitable with hockey betting this season? I I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think right now, there's still some teams that got off to a hot start that are may, maybe just like a potentially a little bit overvalued still in, in the money lines. And I think every time we get to this like sort of halfway point in the season, you see the favorites kind of really just pull up. You get a lot of bit, a lot of shorter lines. But I think we're still at a point where, you know, hammering these favorites against weaker teams um, night in, night out is, is still like th- there's still a lot of value in the lines. So maybe towards the end, you know, once we get to March and April, that won't be there. But even some of these shorter lines, um, this is the point where I think you just start hammering some of these favorites. The gap widens much like it does in the NFL regular season, I think, between the haves and the haves nots. So that's the one thing I looked at. And the other thing I'll just say, you know, it's still time to get on this Edmonton Oilers bandwagon for the oh, Stanley Cup futures. Uh, you can still get around plus 1,000. You can do it now, folks, or you can just be left behind. You know, you have to make it candles with Ian in his garage. So that's, <laughs> uh, I mean, I should know better. Are you an Edmonton Oilers fan? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Just had, to, just had to ask. Go uh go blue jackets. I see us sitting in dead last place, so that's pretty cool. And we also missed out on the generational prospect, I guess, by one freaking ping pong ball. Or however they decide this in this weird sport, but I do appreciate yeah. hockey. So I appreciate you, Jeff. Still ping pong balls and humongous cards that get you know opened <laughs> by the commissioner. Yeah. Frozen, but we don't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's that's NHL, which is uh, rapidly approaching with uh, the focal point being on that. And Jeff, you will also be doing some uh, some more golf content 
as well as we get out of football. But we still have some glorious games of football left, so we're going to talk about those. A few reminders, you can find our props and lots of other bets, of course, in the free Fantasy Life Bet Tracker. You can check out Discord, where we sometimes highlight the bets that we like, my player projections, <clears throat> along with those from the official site, uh, which are managed by Dwayne McFarland. You can find those in the Fantasy Life Projections tool. We have the Fantasy Life Prop tool, which allows you to compare our projections with the props across the market. And we have also recently re released the Fantasy Life Prop Finder, where you can easily search by player and find the most advantageous lines available. And then, of course, remember, lines and projections do change as we get more news. All right, let's start with the first game we have on Sunday, Kansas City on the road at Baltimore. Let's start with the Chiefs. Ian, anything stand out to you on the injury report front? Handful of uh, issues to monitor. I don't think anything's too crazy. We do have, you know, their stud guard, Joe Dunny, unfortunately, dealing with that pec injury. He has not practiced all week and could be out of the picture. Also, Derek Noddy, their defensive tackle, dealing with a tricep issue. Those are the two guys alongside Sky Moore and his knee injury who look like they're at the most risk of missing this game. Otherwise, we just have, you know, Kadarius Tony going from full to limited. Do the Chiefs really want him to play? That's something we could discuss. Don't think we will, but you guys could imagine. Also, Isaiah Pacheco, not practicing, but we have already heard from him and Andy Reid that he is expecting to go out there and play, just continuing to deal with a nagging ankle and toe injury. So on defense, you know, Legereus Sneed, Mike Edwards, and Willie Gay all limited. So make sure you keep an eye on those final injury designations. We should get them in just a few hours. Currently recording this on Friday morning. But yeah, guys, otherwise, not too much. Just might be a little bit weaker at the line of scrimmage than they would prefer, obviously going up against one of the best defenses in the game. Yeah, the um, the Kadarius Tony Miko Hardman thing just feels like okay. You had Kadarius Tony, you replaced him with Miko Hardman, and now it's like, hey, you know what? Miko Hardman is screwed up so badly that maybe Kadarius Tony's mistakes <laughs> don't actually seem quite as bad. Uh, but I mean, of course, uh, they are all equally bad. Uh, so you know, hopefully, we just don't have any of them in the game. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is kind of intriguing to me because I'm assuming that he's going to play the ankle and the toe injuries, but he didn't practice on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursday. Uh, it feels like ankle and toes are kind of important for a running back. Like I'm expecting him to play, but it, you know, it does make me a little bit worried about how effective he's going to be and whether he gets his full workload. And then, I mean, like the, you know, fantasy gods forbid, maybe that means we see more Clyde Edwards, a but Ian, do you have any thoughts on Pacheco? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I was trying to look up uh, exactly if there's any updates. And just the biggest one is, of course, him talking about his own running style, where he noted that uh, they said, I run like I bite people, which is, uh, I think, very, very descriptive of the way Pacheco goes about his business. But no, I think that's reasonable, Friedman. And one of the bets I was looking at uh, bringing to the table was Pacheco over 13 and a half rush attempts, but there's a minus 150 juice on the over. And with this, I mean, who's to say that he couldn't re aggravate something early on in the game? So, yeah, I will say say you know without Jarek McKinnon coming back it still is just Pacheco and Clyde Edwards Hilaire so even at less than 100% probably going to try to gut it out but yeah certainly not ideal and I will be thinking twice about including him in parlays of all shapes and sizes all right and then uh yeah the loss of of Joe Tooney I'm assuming he's not going to play first team all pro left guard that is uh, a not insignificant loss for them so all right that's the Chiefs Jeff on the prop front, looking at DraftKings here, what stands out to you uh, and the props? So, I mean, yeah, again, how you're looking at this game, like Ian said, I mean, you know, they, they ran the ball well last week. Pacheco's a little banged up. Uh, Tony is out. But, you know, the one thing that, that um, 
the Chiefs had a lot of success with was just using heavier tight end formations. Last week, they used more 12 and 13 man formations than they had all season. That meant Noah Gray was on the field more. Played over 60% of the snaps for the first time uh, since week five. He saw elevated route rates. He saw elevated TPPR rates. Target share was 14%. I mean, like you look at Noah Gray, he's a pretty solid receiver. He's gone over uh, 9.5 yards in seven of his last 12 games. And right now on DraftKings, he's got a reception prop up. Uh, it's 1.5, but it's it's plus money to the over. I mean, uh, it, it's a prop I kind of like. Um, I, I, you know, again, like right now, he doesn't have a yardage prop up on DraftKings. I suspect that later in the week, he will have a yardage prop up. I'd be fine just taking the over 1.5 receptions, but if the yardage prop comes back, I would certainly think about combining the yardage and receptions for Noah Gray. Um, like I said, I mean, he saw he he was he, he caught three passes last week. I mean, I think that when you you look at this game, Chiefs are going to be passing, taking advantage of the middle of the field a little bit. Gray's a pretty solid receiver. I think these these props are are just a little bit too low. So um, we haven't projected like fairly nicely as well, uh, 15 yards. So. I, just a player all around I'm kind of interested in. I mean, I think anytime touchdown on DraftKings, he's plus 850 as well. He's only caught two touchdowns. But again, I mean, if he's going to be on the field for over 60% of the snaps, they're going to use the tight ends more. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense as a target this week. I, I like his regular prop, but like I said, I, I think there's a potential for a little bit more here as well. All right, this is uh, very tangential, but I have kind of been low-key obsessed with Gray for a number of years as like the potential um not likely but potential replacement like heir to travis kelsey's throne uh like especially in dynasty formats because like he's an athletic guy they give him a decent amount of playing time for his career he has uh 7.5 yards per target which is like pretty good and especially like the last two years uh it's been even higher than that like from a fantasy perspective in 8.1 yards per target over the past two years like dynasty flyer type of thoughts like maybe travis kelsey retires this offseason i don't know any thoughts on on noah gray as like a a dart kind of dynasty acquisition target yeah especially i mean with jody fortson obviously suffering that shoulder injury back in august that you know sprung a lot of this on us in the first place i mean he does seem like the next guy up still got the bell dozer hanging out you know on the death chart you know back there so look i don't think we can honestly expect anybody to fully replace travis kelsey not saying you guys were you know putting that into place but yeah i mean in terms of just a guy who right now at this point in time was even like a top 25 30 tight end dynasty i doubt it and hey if we do get that retirement i mean at a minimum he's gonna be bumping up into the top 15 that's what happened in week one you know when Travis Kelsey missed that game and suffered that uh, injury we were talking about him legit turning into that borderline tight end one so hey we have seen it's possible for guys to come into this Patrick Mahomes led offense and not blow up on the fantasy box score but hey when we are talking about you know losing the single biggest target hog in this offense over the past half decade it would make sense if his direct backup is the primary beneficiary all right, Ian, from the prop perspective, I think yeah. you are looking at uh, two wide receivers who probably no one really wants to hear about. But, I mean, Jeff just talked about Noah Gray, so I don't know if there's much of a difference between talking about Noah Gray and talking about Justin Watson and MVS, but uh, it looks like you are optimistic on both of these guys. We're getting weird, guys. One catch for the rest of our lives, or in this case, just, you know, to hopefully win these prop bets. This reminds me of betting on Scotty Miller during some of the Buccaneers playoff games in the past where you just need one. 
That's all we need, guys. 13, okay, 14 and a half receiving yards. It's minus 130, minus 120, deuce on the over. I'm taking both overs. These are marks that Watson has passed in 12 of 18 games. MBS in 9 of 18 games. Both of their average target depths are at 18 yards. So, again, we just need them to catch one of the passes that, that are going to be thrown their way. I don't think Mahomes is going to be able to get away with only throwing the football 23 times like last week. And I think the Ravens are smart enough to realize just how much of the passing game does go through. Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. So again, complimentary receivers. I know they aren't that good, but hey, MBS, two catches on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield last week. Only had three in his previous 17 games combined. And Justin Watson, Freeman, I know you love him, man. If we want to talk about some other potential dynasty guys, I know that yards per target number looked quite a bit better after the first five or six weeks as opposed to the entire season. But I do think Justin Watson is at least a decent NFL wide receiver. You know, not going to exactly go on a limb and say the same for MBS. But again, he's going to be out there on the field. And I think the Ravens forced the Chiefs to get the complimentary options involved. And we just need one, fellas. I will be honest. I did look at both of these props. Uh, they did <laughs> they did stand out based on my projections. I haven't bet them yet. I just kind of wanted to see a little bit more uh, like how stuff shakes out with maybe Kadarius Tony returning, you know, being active, something like that. But yeah, this this stands out to me. And uh, the Justin Watson, all this guy does is win Super Bowls, right? You know, you put him next to Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and he makes these guys winners. So uh, I can I can get on board. That's just the, good uh, old correlation right there, Freeman. Right. Let's go. So, yeah. So what 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 do you guys think would would you rather bet? The over on this yard, or would you rather bet longest reception for these guys? Because they're both at 11.5 longest reception on DraftKings. That seems oh, low, doesn't their, it? Their longest reception? Only 11 and a half? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah that seems low, right? That. Like, yeah, that's good. Because both of those guys are downfield type of receivers. If they make yeah. a catch. You know, actually, here's a, here's a question. How and I should probably know this, but I just I never play longest reception props because like that's not something that I project out. If a guy does not have a reception, is that bet void or is no. that a loss? No, it's a loss. Right? That's a, yeah. it's a, unless he doesn't see the field, but no, no. If he sees the right. field, yeah, you're you're right. it's a loss. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, if Justin Watson catches a ball it is probably over 11 and a half i would say yards. watson for sure is like he he only gets like 20 yard targets <laughs> sometimes they'll screen valdez scanley or something but like yeah i i, I mean i i like i like the idea of, of kind of like going with them both the other thing you could do with these guys is um player with the longest reception in the game on DraftKings. valdez scanling's at plus 550 watson's at plus 650 so that's kind of interesting as well Longest reception in the game could bet them yeah. both. Yeah, yeah. That a lot one, of ways to play both these guys. Yeah, yeah, that one is interesting because I think the odds are pretty decent that longest reception comes from the Chiefs and not from the Ravens, both just in terms of like how it is that they attack, uh, mm. like downfield with the passing game. And then I think we're just going to see more pass attempts from the Chiefs than we do from the Ravens. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's interesting. My Watson, Watson, and MVS, Ian, do you like with? With what Jeff raised, do you have uh, any changing thoughts on maybe you'd want to approach it differently? 
I think, uh, honestly, both those bets are more than fine. I looked up uh, just what the Chiefs' targets are on only screens this year. I mean, Rasheed Rice, number one with 26, Travis Kelsey with 18. MVS only has one, and Justin Watson hasn't gotten a screen target all season long. So I do think, again, both these guys are the outside field stretchers. And, yes, maybe if we do see Kadarius Tony back in, he gets a couple of those, you know, prayer yards like we've seen Miko get. But more than anything, again, it's just one freaking catch. So if you want to take the 11-and-a-half line, I think that makes sense as well yeah all right so i like those uh i am looking for my prop for the chiefs at isaiah pacheco to score a touchdown and uh right now looking at DraftKings, let me pull this up the number there for him to score a touchdown is plus 125 uh, i think there's some value there i'd probably be willing to bet it down to plus 120 uh and i was even thinking about uh including this in a same game parlay uh i wasn't but i i kind of I eased back on that uh, just because of the injury issues with Pacheco. So, you know, I figured whatever, I'll bet the anytime touchdown. But uh, of course, if I am doing the same game parlay, I am doing that at DraftKings, which leads me to the ad read. Four teams, one goal, make it to Las Vegas in just a few short weeks. With all eyes on the prize, we've teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the NFL, to get you in on the action. Right now, new customers who bet just $5 will get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Yes, that's right. Instantly. Download the DraftKings app now. Sign up using the promo code FANTASYLIFE. That is all one word, Fantasy Life, and get your shot at the crown that is right new customers who bet just five dollars will get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly and if you are wondering how to use your two hundred dollars in bonus bets you can parlay bets together from the same game for a shot at an even bigger payout and if you've already signed up for DraftKings, you can get a no sweat bet that gives you a bonus bet back if your same game parlay or sgpx bet doesn't hit max reward limits do apply and if sports betting isn't in your state you can still get in on the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy for the chance to win cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use the promo code FANTASYLIFE and bet just $5 on any wager and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That is promo code FANTASYLIFE. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. I might regret this bet on Isaiah Pacheco. This year, the Ravens have allowed just eight touchdowns to running backs in 18 games. Pacheco dealing with the ankle and the toe injuries. I expect him to play. Again, he missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. He might be hindered on Sunday, but even if he's not given his full workload, I still think he's going to be given the goal line workload, which is what I really care about the most. And if we just kind of see that workload in the second half of the season without Jarek McKinnon, who's you know on IR with the groin injury, since week 12, Pacheco has had 87.5% of the team's carries inside the five-yard the five yard line in the six games without McKinnon. And of course, that information is from our awesome fantasy life utilization report and in the playoffs pacheco's had 100 percent of the team's short down and distance snaps and inside the five carries so uh, i think this is a pacheco spot even with the injuries a uh, decent chance of scoring the touchdown and unsurprisingly he has seven touchdowns uh with a score in each of his six games without mckinnon so even though pacheco uh you know, maybe is hindered with the injury. I think if he's on the field, 
he's going to have a good chance of scoring a touchdown. And if he's out, then this bet is void anyway. Uh, Ian, yes. I, I was going to say, I hope you're ready for Andy Reid to pull his usual just jackass moment inside the five-yard line of doing a shovel pass to a reverse to a backup wide receiver. Again, I have never seen someone just so unanimously praised, like for good reason. He's obviously a brilliant play caller, but why do they feel the need to get so ridiculous every single game inside the five-yard line? The whole yeah. Miko Harbin thing last week that was unnecessary like i'm with you but just this is gonna be a tilting one that's that's my uh, prediction i i think that's fair um i think that's fair but <laughs> i i still think pacheco has a pretty good chance of finding the end zone but you are you're right uh there is the possibility for reed to just like to make a point of giving the ball to Michael hardman at the goal line again uh just so i can lose my bet uh okay the ravens ian anything on the injury front with this team Good news. We actually got word just before we started here that Mark Andrews has been activated from IR and he will be suiting up playing through that ankle injury. So if he'll be at, you know, his usual 100% snap rate and stuff remains to be seen. Obviously, Isaiah likely has been playing fantastic. I believe it uh, It was either Jeff or Chris Allen in our newsletter today was pointing out that, uh, you know, we should still see plenty of Isaiah likely involved, which I agree with. But hey, Mark Andrews back, obviously a good thing for Baltimore Nation. Also, Marlon Humphrey has been able to practice in a limited fashion to start the week so again recording this before we get the official designations but given that humphrey didn't practice at all last week just the fact he has been out there leads me to believe he should be back out there on the field obviously a huge boost for that ravens defense yeah so looking at the the betting line here um this was three three and a half early in the week i'm looking at DraftKings right now and this number is now four favoring the ravens and uh you know with the news of mark andrews returning and i think with the positive development of marlon humphrey practicing and i agree with you i think there's a pretty good chance that he plays this week uh yeah that line has now moved to four and you know we will just kind of see at some point in the market if there's resistance and chief's money comes in but uh, we'll just have to see. It would not be a surprise to me if this number continued to move towards the Ravens as we get closer to kickoff. Jeff, on the prop front, where are you looking? Yeah, for the Ravens, I mean, there's a couple spots. My favorite just straight-up prop is just fading the Lamar Jackson rushing yards. Um, I mean, it, it sounds insane, but I mean, like, this prop is is just so big. I mean, it's moved up to 65 and a half yards. Um uh, I, I believe it's 65 and a half now at DraftKings. And I mean, like at this point, it just feels like you need to sell the top. We have this projected on fantasy life around 57 yards. Um, and for me, like, again, like whenever there's been that big a gap between our projections this year and the actual prop number to the total, I mean, I, I've just, I just play it blindly and it's, it's worked out. So, um, you know, you look at the Chiefs, everyone obviously putting two and two together. Oh, Josh Allen ran through this team last week. Lamar Jackson had 100 yards. It's the playoffs. Of course, he's going to run. I mean, like, yes and no. I mean, certainly he he may end up running a ton again, and certainly he's not going to be holding back. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, the Chiefs know what's coming. I mean, as a rush defense, they've actually been pretty good spying some quarterbacks early in the season. They held Fields under 50 yards. They held Allen under, 50, under 40 yards, actually, in Week 14. So... You know, Jackson's a little bit of a different runner than Josh Allen. Um, you know, he's he's obviously, once he gets outside, he breaks those big plays. But, you know, he's only gone over this prop twice this year, the, the 65 and a half. So, um, like, that's not very many times. It, it just feels like people are just sort of not looking, like, at, at the big picture here. Um, I'm, I'm completely fine going under on this. 
if he burns me with a big day, that's fine. But I mean, I don't mind forcing Lamar Jackson to get 70 yards to beat me. I mean, that that's just an insanely big number. And then for a touchdown, I'm going back to my guy for, for Gus Edwards. And I do think if you're playing parlays, pick them, uh, you know, same game parlays on DraftKings, combining the Lamar Jackson under with a Gus Edwards over and a Gus Edwards touchdown actually makes a lot of sense for correlation. So um, yeah, I'm I'm fading Lamar on the rushing yards, and I'm, I'm I guess I'm going over on Edwards and, and taking another Gus touchdown today or this week, I should say. I like this. I I've been thinking about this one. I haven't bet it. I wanted to just let it sit with me a little <laughs> bit more because, like, you're right. Like, there is so I I think both things are right. That one, this number is inflated. Just even not like uh like inflated from a market perspective. Sixty five and a half is the highest number we have seen in the prop market for Lamar Jackson all year. So like it is a number that is very high. On the other hand, as you mentioned, we do see quarterbacks run a little bit more in the playoffs. Both of those things can be true that this could still be a number that is too high. And we see Lamar Jackson run a little bit more than he has in the regular season. Uh, Yeah, just kind of eyeballing it here. Yeah, I mean, the super majority of the time he's gone under this number. I have it projected for 54. 54.5. 54.5. I mean, that is, I'm, I'm like way under, I am way under this number. And I just, I still haven't bet it yet. Cause I just, I want to let it sit, but I imagine I will probably be taking the under on this. Um, I, I, this is, I feel like this is like, this is the sharp side. You know what I mean? Like if there's, if there's a sharp side on this bet, the under is definitely the sharp side. And the thing is this opened at like 62, 63. So like it's got nowhere but up. I mean, yeah. if you're buy, if you're still buying the over, you are, you're hyper bullish. Like you, you have to just, yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It just like I said, th- this is like a principal bet for me. It's just out of principle. I think I need to bet the under here because okay. it's just moved so much. And it's, and this is actually an interesting thing. We, we start to see this more and more in the playoffs, and then especially in the Super Bowl, that the over tends to yeah. get bet up earlier in the week as we get closer to kick or as we approach kickoff. And then you might start to see the under take some money uh, as it just meets a point of resistance. So if like the under on a bet, you probably just want to wait until the, the day of on some of these props, unless it's just like a really egregious thing. But if you can sort of look at a market and say, I can see why and how that takes money to the over, you probably want to wait. And like the Lamar Jackson rushing prop, you can easily see why it would take money to the over. So this is, I think, a situation to to wait on if you like the under. And then also just to kind of earmark this, keep that dynamic in mind for the Super Bowl as we have two weeks to ramp up in the prop market ahead of that game. The over and a lot of markets will probably take money there. And then the under probably comes in a little bit later. Uh, Ian, any thoughts on the Lamar Jackson front here? And then uh, you're looking at Justice Hill over. Yeah, I think you guys are probably right. I think where the line is coming from is the fact that he's cleared that with ease in three of five playoff games, then even three of four meetings against this Chiefs defense. Now, they haven't played since, I think, week two of 2021. And guess what? Lamar averaged a career low, you know, I think it was 51 rushing yards per game this year. So I do think, you know, the principal side is probably right, taking the under there. But man, just a scary guy to really be ever taking any unders against. So I'm probably going to be more of a stay away, but I hear what Jeff is coming from with the principal bet i don't have a principal bet i got a candle bet boys let's go we're back justice hill 
over 12 and a half receiving yards. If he does not get there, I will be spending $40 on candles. Not going to buy the $40 candle again because I found out there's not really that many out there. But we will get that money spent on candles. I'm not crazy, guys. When we look at this Chiefs defense, the one kind of weakness there's been, it's relative because the secondary is so good all around. But top four in terms of yards per attempt against wide receivers and tight ends. They fall down to 12th, though, against running backs. So I think we'll be talking a little bit about this with the 49ers as well. I don't know that this is necessarily a weakness. I think it's more of a decision. Who do you want the offense to throw the ball to? Over your heads to wide receivers or in front of you to the running back checking down? I think it's, a, again, a conscious decision by a very good, you know, Steve Spagnola-led defensive attack. But we have seen them get beat up a little bit, specifically James Cook and running backs that can get downfield. We saw that first game, man. Five catches, like 83 yards and a touchdown. Should have had a second touchdown against them last week. Just couldn't hold on to it. Ended up still going for over 100 in those two combined meetings, though. So really were happy to use him downfield, which is something we've seen Justice Hill do. In that Miami Dolphins game, I mean, he caught two actual downfield wheels that reminded me exactly of the exact same way. How many times can I say exact in one sentence? The, the same way that we saw James Cook, again, taking down this Chiefs defense. So with Justice Hill, similar to kind of my other wonky, you know, complimentary Chiefs wide receiver overs, I'm just hoping pretty much for one reception here. And I guess a chance to even get more than that, given the uh, robust pass down usage ever since Keaton Mitchell was been out of the picture so justice hill 12 and a half locking in guys all right there we go justice hill i'm looking at nelson Aguilar over 14 and a half receiving yards minus 120 at DraftKings. my projection for this is 21.8 and uh, i did this projection under the assumption that mark andrews would be playing this week of course uh, mark andrews returning could be a reason to uh, kind of be pessimistic on Nelson Aguilar. And then also, you know, the Ravens have a run dominant offense this week. Uh, I think going against a Chiefs defense that is vulnerable against the run and also missing some key run defenders. Those would all be reasons to be pessimistic on Aguilar. But even even so, I just think that this line is too low. In week 12, uh, his line was 13 and a half. Since then, he has uh, really seen an increase in usage, but his prop line has moved up only one yard. Uh, 66% route rate since week 13. Before that, it was a 52% route rate. And, you know, some of that is the absence of Mark Andrews, but I think a lot of that we saw uh, this last playoff game. Odell Beckham ran like one route in the second half of that game. Like, that's not to say that he has been straight up benched, but, you know, they were 10-10 tied going into halftime. And it's like, well, we need to make some changes. And one of those changes was Odell Beckham not being on the field and Nelson Aguilar seeing a lot more playing time. So uh, I think Nelson Aguilar is, you know, even with Mark Andrews returning, still going to be one of the, the top three wide receivers who cycles in. And he can play inside and outside. So even if there are times when the Ravens go with more two tight end heavy sets, he still has a shot of being on the field for some of those snaps. Uh, since week 14, Aguilar has averaged three and a half targets with multiple targets in every game but one, eight yards per target for the season. I think that gives him a pretty good chance of hitting the over, even if he gets just two targets. In his 12 games with two plus targets, he's gone over 14 and a half receiving yards eight times. So Nelson Aguilar, it feels a little bit disgusting. This is like a version of uh, the Justin Watson MVS bet. Christian uh, Nelson Aguilar over 14 and a half receiving yards for the Ravens. All right, getting into this next game here. On the road, Detroit at San Francisco. 
we have the Lions playing in their first NFC championship game in a long, long time. Ian, what stands out on the injury front? Is it ever? Since like the 60s or something? I don't yeah, know. I mean, I think maybe once like in the 80s or early 90s, they, yeah. they played in a conference championship. I think the clock's going to strike midnight in a major way. I got the 49ers winning by at least two touchdowns in this one. Just want to get that out of the way here and set the tone for the rest of it. But in terms I'm, of injuries... I'm, 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 I'm glad. Sorry. Yeah. That would be a good result. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> there we go. You're good. Uh, with the Lions, mostly okay. Sam Laporta and Josh Reynolds limited with their various issues, but they've been playing through them for quite some time. Full expect them to have their usual roles come Sunday night. Unfortunately, no Khalif Raymond again. Hasn't officially been ruled out yet, but still not practicing with that knee injury. Not looking good. Really someone that they like to get involved in both the screen game and downfield. One of those wide receivers that, you know, when you're doing your offseason kind of projects, you got to just bump your target threshold up a little bit higher because otherwise we're looking at one of the more efficient guys in the game so would have liked to see Khalif out there but sadly probably won't we'll note that uh center Frank Ragnow with ankle toe knee and back injuries how relatable is that not practicing all week and the same with guard Jonah Jackson with a knee injury so offensive line might be at less than 100 certainly not ideal considering again just how lethal this offense can be when everyone is healthy yeah, those offensive injuries concern me. Not so much the Khalif Raymond. Like he's, I think he's a really good rotational number yep. four wide receiver. You know, so his absence isn't nothing, but like it's not massive. But like the Jonah Jackson, like uh, left guard next to the center. Like I think Ragnow. What is funny is that like Ragnow, like you just mentioned, like the litany of injuries, ankle, toe, knee, back. It's like what part of this body isn't injured? <laughs> like this, this guy must be in pain while he's just sleeping. But uh, but like chest no beat. Good. Yeah, no, yeah, chest the chest, okay. the chest is fine. Uh, <laughs> no beat reporters are expressing serious concern that he's going to miss this game which is just like wild uh, in, in terms of like uh, how how much respect there is for like Ragnow just playing through injuries. But so I will he, say, I will say yeah. last week, because this has been a thing, but last week he was knee, back, toe, rest, and he was yes. DMP to full this week. Now the rest has been uh, replaced with that uh, back injury. So yes, not, like, not ideal. <laughs> right. You know, so like I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play, but like, that's not a hundred percent based on all of the injuries and then the back-to-back -back DNPs yeah. and then Jonah Jackson at left guard. I think it's just assumed that he's out uh, with the knee injury. So like, those are significant, like, because the strength of this offense really is the offensive line. Yeah. And if your center is injured and the guy next to him is out, like you're starting to create some vulnerability there. So, uh, and, and then of course going against a San Francisco 49ers defensive line that is pretty good at getting at the quarterback, which is for rushers. So I think that will be like a real key to see how this game plays out. Uh, and like Ragnow could end up being like pretty important just based on how healthy or how injured he actually is. Um, Jeff on the prop front, where are you looking? It's a good segue because um, all all this kind of feeds into my my prop bet, which is Jared Goff to throw an interception. The number short has gotten down to minus 150. That's probably would be my cutoff. But you know what? I mean, let's still play it. You mentioned the 49ers pressure. Um, you know, they're, they're seventh and sacks. I think that the, this O-line being banged up uh, makes us a good spot. Jared Goff, four interceptions in his last four outdoor games as well. I, I just think Jared Goff is, is, a, is a fine quarterback. He's fine when you give him time, when you put him in a scripted offense, when you put him indoors, when he's got a good O-line, when you get him under pressure. 
We've seen it. I mean, you, you get him panicking a little bit. He, he will throw those bad balls. And you're talking about a, a 49ers defense. Just picked off Jordan Love twice. Jordan Love, who was you know basically just balling out every week. I like that. The 49ers are now tied with the Bears for most interceptions. Um, this is a pretty opportunistic secondary. They do allow a few big plays. They allow a few touchdowns. But you know they're also really good at creating turnovers. I think they feed off that pressure that their defense defensive line creates. And I think that you'll just see Jared Goff forced into more pass-only situations. Last two weeks, you know, ahead late against the Rams. Really didn't have to do anything late in that game. Same thing last week, ahead against the Bucks, just trying to close things out. I think this is going to be a more high-pressure situation. He's going to be having to drop back more. Um, and in Detroit's five losses this year, Goff's thrown an interception and all but one of those start starts. So if you really, if you want to play this and you don't like the minus 150, you can go on DraftKings and parlay the San Francisco money line with the Goff interception, get minus 110. I don't hate that, to be honest. It's not something I normally would advocate or do, but I, I actually kind of like that in this spot. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. If Goff throws an interception, uh, like the path to a loss is pretty clear. You know, like yeah. I, I think Goff will need to be near perfect or not perfect, but like clean, like avoiding the turnovers for the Lions really to have a, a shot of winning here. So yeah, that one is interesting. Uh, Ian, on uh, the prop front, on the Fantasy Life show that we did on Wednesday, I think you mentioned in passing, Jameer Gibbs, over 22 and a half receiving yards, bet your mortgage on it. So you already have a candle bet. Maybe this is the, the mortgage bet here. You like Jameer Gibbs over on the receiving yards. Just a little bit more consequential than the candle bet, I think we can say. But yeah, man. And again, I do think of I've already kind of broken down the major reasoning for this, similar to the Justice Hill bet going up against the Chiefs. Similar phenomenon going on with the 49ers. Top four in yards per attempt allowed to wide receivers and tight ends. Just 11th, though, against running backs. So again, I'm sure Fred Warner is fantastic at covering running backs one-on-one. -on -one, but guess what? They like using him to go cover wide receivers deep downfield to limit explosive plays, which I do think has allowed running backs to pick up consistent receiving yards against them yeah i guess some of that is in check down time garbage time which is also a possibility here so overall nine different running backs have eclipsed at least 30 yards receiving against this defense this year and jameer gibbs over these past two weeks really don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen his past game usage spike with khalif raymond out of the picture four catches and 40 plus yards in each of these past two games we've all seen gibbs touch the football i mean my god if he can just get a screen in the flat wouldn't be surprised if he can clear this in just one reception. So 22 and a half minus 110 odds. I will take that over all day long. Yeah, I mean, Gibbs might be one of the few running backs that would actually have a shot of beating Fred Warner one-on-one -on -one in coverage. Yeah. You know, and that's like nothing against Warner, but like Gibbs is just an exceptional athlete and an exceptional receiver. So yeah, that one, uh, I'm going to look at that one some more. That one intrigues me. Here we go. Uh, all right. I'm looking at the other running back there in the backfield for the Lions. David Montgomery over 43 and a half rushing yards. And uh, let me just make sure I'm uh, getting the most accurate line here. So uh, got 42 and a half now. There you go. Ooh, even better. So 42 and a half. Uh, that's the sign that I'm on the wrong side, but I, I don't <laughs> care. Uh, David Montgomery, 42 and a half uh, minus 115 to the over. And, I was projected at 48 and a half. I like, I understand why um, this number has gone down. So like 
He's gone over 42 and a half rushing yards in all of his games, but three this year. This prop is the lowest that it has been for him all season. I understand why it's low. Like over the past month, his workload and his production have markedly dropped off. In weeks one through 16, he had a 54% rush rate, 16.3 carries per game, uh, and he you know, converted that into 75.8 rushing yards per game on 4.7 yards per carry since week 17. So over the last month, uh, that has dropped down to a 49% rush rate, only 12 carries per game, 48.8 yards per game, 4.1 yards per carry. And then of course, you know, we talked earlier about the offensive line injuries. Uh, I think that could actually be a really big issue. Uh, if they're just not able to get the normal push with Jonah Jackson out with Frank Ragnow injured, the Lions, of course, is big road dog. So maybe they're not running the ball as much as well. You put all that together and it's like, yeah, I can I can see why this prop is as low as it is. But the 49ers are number 27 in defensive rush success rate. And I think the Lions are going to try to attack them on the ground as long as they reasonably can in order to control the ball, to try to you know grind the clock down, to keep the 49ers offense on the sideline. Um, I think that even if this game starts to get a little bit out of hand, you still might see the Lions run the ball a little bit more than they probably should just because they still think that they have a matchup advantage there. So I will be taking David Montgomery over 42 and a half like the guy has 69.1 yards per game rushing this year in an advantageous matchup yeah i mean that's that's really nice i'm probably going to be inclined to bet the over on a situation like that so david montgomery over 42 and a half rushing yards minus 115 at DraftKings. all right 49ers the the main injury really the only injury that they have going on is debo samuel not an insignificant injury Ian, what are you thinking here? Well, he did manage to return to practice on Thursday, got a limited session in. So it's actually looking decent that he could get out there and actually play. I just wonder at what capacity, because we actually did see this earlier in the year, week four. He was dealing with ribs and a knee injury then, but he got banged up at the end of that incredible like Monday night performance against the Giants. And against the Cardinals, he had no targets. He only had a couple carries, but he was still on the field for almost 90% of the snaps. So I would just say like Debo, obviously one of the tougher and more physical players out there you take a shoulder injury to a player like that and I just have a really hard time believing that he's going to be the same guy when Kyle Shanahan himself admits it's similar to the injury he suffered earlier this year that kept him sidelined for the heavy majority of three games so I do tend to think Debo's going to try to tough it out would not be surprised at all though Friedman if he's either you know working out 100% working out less than 100% and or not being used to his usual capacity yeah, I think a best case scenario for the prop market is that we see Debo play, mm-hmm. he's active, and then that maybe diminishes, like drops a little bit the props for George Kittle, yep. the props for Ayuk. And like, I think those guys have a good chance of going off anyway. Um, but especially if the market overreacts to Debo, I think that could create an opportunity here. And Jeff, that gets to the prop that you're looking at George Kittle mm-hmm. over 61 and a half yards receiving. Again, masterful segue here. And yeah, 61 and a half. I, I am looking at the over, but like you said, I am waiting because I want Debo Samuel to go in. I think this prop will probably drop a couple yards if we're lucky, if he does. But I I, I mean, I will still play it. I, if it stays at 65, 61 and a half, I will still play it to the over. 
Um, George Kittle has averaged over the last six games with Debo Samuel 92 yards. He's gone absolutely bonkers without Debo Samuel in the lineup. And yes, like again, I think that Debo Samuel is going to play, but I do not think Debo Samuel is going to run his regular number of routes. I don't think he's going to get his regular number target share, whatever. I just think he's going to be more of a gadget situational player for the 49ers kind of out there in spirit. It's like, look, Debo's active. We can win. We're like invincible against the spread guys. Haven't you seen all the tweets? Like, so <laughs> I really think that's the situation. And then you throw in the fact it's the lions who allowed Kate Auten to go semi bananas last week. I mean, six for five for 65 to Kate Auten, who was getting open, just kind of at will. It's a really good matchup for Kittle. I mean, I just like George Kittle anyways. He's just an absolute beast to, to handle. He's going to be potentially going up against some, you know, they, they may try and put like an athletic corner on him or something. And, and all their corners are small on Detroit. I think Kittle can go for a hundred plus here. I'm playing the over, but I, I have a same game parlay. Brock Purdy over 300 yards, George Kittle over 90 yards and George Kittle anytime touchdown is plus 800 on with our friends at DraftKings. Um, I think it's the same kind of bet I made last week with Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield against Detroit. And that hit. And this this feels like it's got a great chance of hitting as well. So, um, yeah, George Kittle to have a, a nuclear game here, I think, is, uh, is is a good bet this week. Yeah, I mean, to your point, almost regardless of the Debo injury, this was going to be a Kittle week, and it was going to be an Ayuk week, just based on how the Lions play defense, where they are exploitable. And so, Jeff, you are very much on the Kittle side of this. Ian, you like Brandon Ayuk. Uh, talk about the uh, the SGP you have going for him here. Yeah, I mean, look, the Lions have some quality safeties. You know, CJ Gardner-Johnson coming back has been a big lift. And rookie Brian Branch has played some good football. But otherwise, guys, like their remaining four cornerbacks all rank 98th or worse in terms of PFS coverage grade this year. So truly has been, you know, an abysmal secondary all season long. And, you know, as Dwayne McFarlane has done a good job of pointing out on various fancy-like podcasts throughout the week, they've been running man at like the third highest rate in the league, which historically has been what Brandon Ayuk has excelled the most against. So I guess from a schematic standpoint, we can point that out. But honestly, I don't even think we need to make it that complicated. Look at the last five quarterbacks to face this Lions defense. Baker goes for 349. Matthew Stafford, 367. Dak Prescott at a lowly 345 has the least productive passing game against this group because Nick freaking Mullins went for 396 and 411 yards against Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. So again, that's just when I was trying to break this game down like, I could see the Lions, you know, even without, you know, maybe their fully healthy offensive line. They've been such a good offense all year long. Could they go out there, just play the best game of their season and maybe outscore the 49ers? I could see that happening. They've been good enough on offense for me to wrap my mind around that. I truly just don't see unless Mother Nature is going to come just start raining again because that apparently is Purdy's biggest kryptonite ever. I do not see how the Lions slow down this 49ers passing game. So Brandon Ayuk scoring a touchdown and getting over 100 yards plus 305 odds sign me up what was it that austin powers said about carnies like small hands doesn't like them i i feel like that's a that's like brock purdy like he's got the small hands uh and it just like for the weather something with like gripping the ball it just it doesn't work for him uh but yeah some of my first ever fancy research i did for uh the great jonathan bales was quarterback hand size back in the day and just trying and guess what it does correlate eventually with the uh, cold weather and rain small samples ish but guess what no bad weather so we don't have to worry about it today exactly all right well 
Uh, you guys are looking for uh, touchdowns to be scored, uh, you know, for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned the touchdown in the SGP with Kittle and Purdy. Uh, hopefully, we get a ton of touchdowns because I'm also looking at touchdowns for Christian McCaffrey. I'm doing the SGP route, similar to what I did last week, except I am uh, amplifying it. Christian McCaffrey, two-plus touchdowns, plus the under of at this point, the line has moved. Uh, I did bet it at 131.5 uh, at plus 475 odds at DraftKings. Uh, it is now plus 450, and the under has moved to plus, uh, not plus, but uh, 128 and a half. So I'm still betting it there. That for me would probably be the cutoff. I think I would take the scrimmage yardage down to 127 and a half, but uh, plus 450 would be the cutoff for me there. And so the thesis of Christian McCaffrey getting two plus touchdowns, but going under a uh, hundred and at this number, 128.5. So I have the projection at uh, 121 and then I have like one and a half touchdowns projected, but I think there's a better chance that McCaffrey scores two touchdowns than scores zero touchdowns in this game. And uh, I will say that I think the touchdown stuff is like, that's pretty like well-trod territory. Like, the guy's awesome at scoring touchdowns, 21 touchdowns in the uh, regular season in 16 games, uh, you know, league leader in red zone opportunities with 63 carries, 16 targets. Last week, he had two touchdowns, um, you know, like in the full 16 games that he's played this year, uh, he's scored multiple touchdowns six times. So he's got a pretty decent chance of hitting that mark on his own. Uh, now, thinking about uh, how that might correlate with the under here. I don't think that McCaffrey's red zone role is all that correlated with his larger role. So whether he has 15 opportunities or 30 opportunities in this game, I think what will most impact McCaffrey's usage near the end zone is just the total number of snaps the 49ers have near the goal line, like not his workload anywhere else on the field. So uh, I think, you know, these, um, like obviously yards do correlate with touchdowns, but I just don't think the correlation is nearly as strong with McCaffrey as the books would uh, probably suggest with the algorithm that they have here. Like McCaffrey's gone under at this point. Yeah, let me look 100 under 128 and a half scrimmage yards in half of his games. But in how three, many how many yards did he go under by last week, Freeman? Uh, he went under by. 0.5. All right, all we need. <laughs> that's all we that's all we need to to get the win here. Um so in those 8 games in which he went under, uh in 3 of those, he still had two touchdowns. So like the idea of McCaffrey going under, like I feel like it's, you know, about 50%, maybe even a little bit better than 50% of him going under here, but like he can go under and still have multiple touchdowns. Like he's done that multiple times this year already. So I think there's a decent chance that this hits at plus four. Uh, I had a plus four seventy five originally, but like a plus four fifty odds. This has like maybe like a fifteen to sixteen percent uh, implied probability. Um, I think the true odds are probably closer to like twenty twenty two percent. So I think there's a little bit of value there. Uh, I know this is like a little bit of a longer shot, but. I think that the path for this hitting is something that like we have seen, like we literally just saw it this last week. So uh, I think it's something that that could happen here and taking a little bit of a shot on it. All right. Uh, I want to close this out by 
getting favorite bets so far. Ian, I don't know if your favorite bet is the candle bet or the mortgage bet. Uh, I don't know how those two things really compare. Uh, but do you have a favorite bet uh, out of the ones that we've talked about? Mortgages come and go, Friedman, but candles last forever. So I'm going to go ahead and prioritize the uh, Justice Hill over 12 and a half receiving yards. And again, just want to say I do also think the uh, 49ers will go ahead and get this done by at least 14 points. And I also think the Chiefs pull the relative upset here. One other thing I want to talk about, though, guys, we got some news as we were going through. The Athletics' Jeff uh, Zerbiak believes Mark Andrews will be on, quote, a pitch count of some sort and just notes that they'll probably be using him mostly on key third downs and in the red zone accordingly over at DraftKings, i mean andrew's over under for yards at 34 and a half likely he's all the way down there at 20 and a half i mean he's gotten 30 plus receiving yards in seven straight games as we saw last week he can go up and make a contested catch also was number two in the nfl behind only george kittle and yards after the catch per reception so anything there friedman that 20 and a half line seems uh pretty soft for a guy that probably only needs one or two targets to get there yeah, that one's interesting. I'm going to want to kind of go back in and think about that split specifically. I have I haven't projected for 20 and a half. Oh, so I'm, right. <laughs> I'm going to, but, you know, like no now that we know that uh it's expected that Andrews is on a snap count, I will probably do some tweaks there. Um but I'll I'll want to think about that one some more. But I would say like it feels like one way or another um the market will probably be wrong on yeah. how that that split ends up getting distributed fair um it does always these situations always can can evolve as the game goes on mark andrews catches a pass on the first drive then he just plays the rest of the game (laughs) and he goes for like 88 yards yeah so i don't know but that my first instinct would be to fade the andrews yards probably but Yeah. yeah it's it is a little risky i i would be thinking maybe taking some alternate lines on on like both of those guys, you know, like, cause there's a chance that like Andrews just does like very little. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's basically Isaiah likely close to what we've seen so far. Or there's a chance that like Jeff, as you mentioned, like Andrews is pretty much himself and all of a sudden uh, it's an Andrews game. So I, I would entertain either one of those outcomes. All right, Jeff, uh, favorite, the favorite prop that you have so far. Why not go back to another chiefs, you know, random player let's go noah gray i really like this spot for him like i said um the the chiefs offensive philosophy seemed to shift last week and it it really was centered around their tight end usage and why not i mean after rasheed rice like what do you want to give me cole hardman more targets i mean i I think it makes sense for gray to be a pretty big part of this game i think the ravens will definitely be focusing their target on kelsey and again i'm not calling for gray to have like, you know, a hundred yards at a touchdown here. We just need nine and a half yards. We just need 10 <laughs> yards and what you're, or the, you know, two catches. I, I think that's doable. It's plus plus one thirty to go over 1.5 catch. Like I said, on DraftKings. look for the same game parlay with the yards and the, and the receptions later in the week. But um, yeah, I like, I like the overs on gray this week a lot. All right. This is, this is kind of amazing. So, uh, you know, Ian for his best bet, uh, is taking the over on a number two running back or like highlighting a number two running back. Jeff, you are highlighting a number two tight end and I'm going with Nelson Aguilar. I'm highlighting basically like a number four wide receiver. Uh, this is the sign. Like we are, we are in the weeds on these props. Uh, Nelson Aguilar over 14 and a half receiving yards, especially with the news that Mark Andrews is on a snap count. Uh, I think that gives Aguilar all the greater of a chance of going over on this. All right. Um, this was a fun show. 
it's it's really nice to have the opportunity to dig into the games to think about both sides of uh of these matchups here and look at the prop market in depth so you know hopefully we have some success here and we roll into the super bowl with a full head of steam that is going to do it for this prop pod edition of the betting life show brought to you by fantasy life and DraftKings. please subscribe to the show tell your degenerate betting friends join the discord see all of our bets in the free fantasy life bet tracker and follow us on social media at the fantasy grind iheartits and matt f the oracle thank you and see you again next episode